blessed throughout our worship service today. Uh, God be praised. Okay, we're in our sermon series, Rest, Enjoying God's Gift Through Time. We're going to start today in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12, we're going to be taking a look at the sermon called A Place of Rest. So grab a Bible. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, there should be a red pew Bible there in front of you. And turn to page 156. Page 156. Since we're not just going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 12 today, you'll see in the bulletin there is a sermon outline for you to fill out some other passages of Scripture uh, that we will take a look at together this morning. Uh, You might not have time to do an old Baptist sword drill and flip to all those places, so we've given you the page number in in the Pew Bible, and you can go back later and take a look at those other passages of Scripture. But Deuteronomy chapter 12, we're going to read verses 8 through 14 together. Remember, Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law, uh, God's people. The context here is uh, Moses is reading God's law to God's people the second time before they're about ready to go into the land of Canaan, which is the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 8 through 14. Hear God's word. Moses says, as the Holy Spirit inspires him to say and to write, You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For you have not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God has given you. But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God has given you to inherit, and when he gives you rest... From all your enemies around, so that you live in safety. Then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. There you shall bring all that I command you. Your burnt offerings, your your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present. And all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You and your sons and your daughters and your male servants and your female servants and and the Levite that is within your towns, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. Take care that you do not offer your burnt offerings at any place that you see, but at the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribes. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and help us to hear your word, help us to see your word. And I pray that you would draw us closer to you. And I pray that everyone would leave here today, regardless of how they they came here this morning, finding their resting place in Jesus. Because their hearts have been regenerated by your Spirit. And their status is secure in Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first day of seventh grade. I will never forget the first day of seventh grade. Because of what happened. As everyone feels like the first day of school, I was convinced that my life was now over. And I was longing to just simply get home and do what I still like to do today, which is enjoy a 10 to 15 minute power nap. Judge me if you want to, I don't care. I still enjoy them. 
I got on the school bus that day, and one of my friends who was in the seventh grade with me tried to pick a fight with me, and I kind of warded him off. And then as we were beginning to make our way through on the school bus to all the different stops, suddenly a tenth grader by the name of Keith began trying to pick a fight with me as well. He was trying to negotiate the terms of the agreement with me. He tried to encourage me to get off at his bus stop so that he could fight me. He was in the 10th grade. He was about 6 foot 2. He had a weight advantage, a height advantage, and a reach advantage over me. Hard to believe that at that time I was maybe 5 foot 2. I'm 5 foot 4 now proudly. And I looked at him and I said, I greatly appreciate the offer, but I'm going to have to respectfully decline today. I remember thinking, I just want to get home and rest. And as I looked out the window, I remember praying, Lord, just let Keith get off the bus. Did you know that God answers every prayer? He either says yes, no, or wait. To that prayer that day, God said no. And so as I turned my head back this direction, Keith sucker punched me. The only good thing about that fight that day was this one reality. I had yet to get my braces on my teeth. Because if I had my braces on my teeth at that point, Keith would have beat the braces off my teeth that day. What I lacked in height, weight, and reach advantage, I sure tried to make up for in hustle. But as the school bus uh, driver pulled him off of me and some senior in high school sitting at the back of the bus pulled me off of him, we were separated. He was suspended from school, suspended from the bus. I was suspended from the bus, apparently because that's what you do when you get beat up. As I sat down, what ensued was worse than the beating. A girl sitting around this side of the bus named Monica Rose, who I'd had a crush on until that day, began to whisper and mock about the black eye that was beginning to form on my face. And I thought to myself, this isn't how Adrian treated Rocky Balboa at the end of Rocky 1 or 2. She should be amazed that I survived the beating. She should be swooning at my feet by now. I remember thinking, I just want to get home and rest. I didn't cry. I just wanted to get home and rest. Do you feel like that today? Do you feel physically beat up? Maybe you're just dealing with this, the reality of getting older, or maybe you've got a friend that's suckered you into a new workout regimen, and your body's just aching. You're physically beat up today, and you're longing for rest. Or maybe some of you today are emotionally distraught. My baby's growing up. What will I do? You'll be fine. You'll be grateful. <laughs> Don't worry, they're still going to beg for money. They're going to be more expensive now than ever. <laughs> you might be emotionally needing rest, but here's what our text is going to reveal to us again, is that by, at the root of every restless heart isn't a physical problem or an emotional problem it's ultimately a theological problem. And some of you may sense in your spirit today that you're spiritually not at rest. 
You're beginning to doubt your relationship with God. Maybe beginning to doubt your assurance of salvation. Maybe beginning to doubt, is this even true? Is this book even real? And you're longing for a place of rest. Well, welcome. You're at the right place on the right day by God's design. Because today's sermon is titled, A Place of Rest. And what we see in our passage is the fact that God has offered his people a place of rest. In fact, he's promised them a place of rest. Now, they used to have a place of rest in the Garden of Eden. If we can rehearse very quickly how we've gotten to this point in Deuteronomy chapter 12, let us be reminded of the fact that in the beginning, Adam and Eve enjoyed perfect rest and relationship with God. The restlessness came after their disobedience and to God. And it was as a result of their disobedience that God, out of gracious, loving discipline, kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. And thus, at that point, they became pilgrims and sojourners in the world. And then later, God came to Abraham. Abram at the time, before his name was changed. And Abram had found a nice little plot of land. He was all squatted down. And God stirred up his heart and said, I want you to go to the land that I'm commanding you. And Abram said, great, where? And God said, I'll show you. And so Abram went out on this journey, this pilgrimage, looking and longing for a place of rest. Remember, God established a place of rest for God's people in Egypt to to spare them from the severe famine that had hit the world at that time. And for a brief period of time, Egypt was a place of rest for God's people. But what happened? Pharaoh said, they're getting a little bit too big, get a little bit too big in number, so let's turn them into slaves. And so ultimately, God had to send Moses down to rescue his people, Israel, from slavery and bondage in Egypt. And he said, I'm going to send you to another place of rest, which is Canaan, the promised land. But initially, it didn't become a place of rest for them. Why? Because they doubted God. So God sent them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And now in Deuteronomy chapter 12... Moses is re-giving the law to God's people, saying, go into the land and find a place of rest. But ultimately, they're longing and hoping to see a temple built that will be a place of rest and a place of worship. But if you've read the rest of the Bible, what do you know? Although the temple is built in Jerusalem... Their time and place of rest there is temporary. Well, that's despairing, Tanner, because we're all looking for a place of rest today. Well, let me give you how we're going to finish this sermon series the last Sunday in May, which is Memorial Day weekend. And so the way I see it, I'll go ahead and give you the sermon today because there's probably only going to be about four or five of us here that week anyway. Ultimately, you're never going to experience ultimate, satisfying rest this side of eternity. The place that we will experience perfect fulfillment, perfect, satisfying rest is when we get to heaven and get to be with Jesus. Amen? So what are we going to talk about today? I'm glad you asked. We're heading into the season and the the life of the calendar where people go on road trips. 
The kids are going to go on a camp journey up to Bon Clark, and some of you are going to go on vacation. Some of you are going to go to a lake house or a beach house. And along the way, do you know what you're going to encounter? Rest stops. You're going to encounter rest stops that if you don't stop, your wife and your children will beg you and scream and cry that you stop there. And so what I want us to take a look at today is as we ultimately long for a the fulfillment of a place of rest in heaven, let us not avoid and ignore the two precious rest stops that God provides for us along the way as we make our way towards heaven, ultimately, someday. And so the first rest stop that we see is that God wants to give us a rest stop in Him as we enjoy time alone with Him. That's the first point of our outline today, is that if we're going to find rest this side of heaven, you find rest by enjoying time alone with God. Here's what it says about Jesus and His practice in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Notice what Jesus does. Jesus has a specific time that he goes out in the morning. It's very early in the morning. While it's still dark, he goes out to a specific place, and he prays. Now, for those of you that are not morning people, I'm not going to beat you up today. Although I'm a morning person, I enjoy my time alone with Jesus first thing in the morning. But notice that Jesus had a practice of enjoying time with the Heavenly Father. He found a specific place, he found a specific time, and he protected it. If the eternal Son of God did that to sustain him, until he returned to the Heavenly Father. How much more do we need that time with him? Just to be alone. We've been making our way through Luke's gospel before we took a, a pit stop with this sermon series called Rest. As we're analyzing and reviewing this theme from Genesis to Revelation. And we see how significant it is in our relationship with God as both our creator and our redeemer. So let me just highlight a couple of things, a couple of patterns we would see in, in Jesus' life in Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter 4, between Jesus' healings and him calling the first disciples, do you know what Jesus does? He enjoys time alone with the Father. In Luke chapter 6, after healing... Many people, and right before he ministers to a multitude of people, do you know what Jesus does? He gets away and spends some time alone with the Father. Are you sensing a pattern? In Luke chapter 9, when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain with him for the mountain of transfiguration, right before it says in Luke chapter 9 that Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem to go to the cross, do you know what Jesus does? He gets away. And spend some time alone with the Father. Sensing a pattern? In Luke chapter 11, right before Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Plain, do you know what Jesus does? He gets some time alone with the Father. And right before Jesus goes to the cross, he goes to the Gethsemane. What was Gethsemane? 
time alone with the Father. Do you long for a place of rest? I do. And we know that ultimately our our place of rest is going to be with Jesus in heaven. But along the way, Jesus has provided you one precious pit stop each and every single day. It's to spend time in personal worship with him. It's spending time in devotion to him by reading his word and spending time in prayer with him. And so my question to you today is this, what's your place? Is it in your bedroom? Is it in your living room? Is it in your kitchen? What's your time? There's one mother in the community that I was having a conversation with her about enjoying her time alone with God. Do you know what her time and place is? It's the car as she's waiting to pick up her kids in the school line. She said, Tanner, I get there 30 minutes early. I'm like the second or third car in line every single day. And she said, that 20 to 25 minutes that I'm sitting there, it is the only time I have alone with God all day long. The rest of the time, I'm I'm doing with the kids and doing something. And she said, that's the one time I get to focus, read God's word, and pray. Is God dishonored by the fact that she didn't get up earlier in the morning? No. She's enjoying her time alone with God. And what is she enjoying? That place in the car is her place of rest. That is her daily pit stop that she longs to enjoy every single day. Are you enjoying time alone with God every day? A famous minister says, if he misses his quiet time with God, one day he notices it. If he misses it after a week, his wife notices it. After a month, the congregation he serves begins to notice it. What do you do there at your time alone with God? Well, I want to give you some practical advice. Read the Word. If you, if you don't, if you're, if you're intimidated by devotional time, just opening up the Bible, we've got these today devotionals uh, down by the elevator, down by the fellowship hall. You can take home and, and enjoy reading them. But I, what I like to do for my quiet time is just open up a passage of Scripture. I like to go through a book of the Bible at the time. And as I'm reading a chapter at a time, I like to ask myself two questions. What does this passage teach me about God? And what does this passage teach me about myself? It's that simple. And then I spend some time in prayer, praising God, adoring God for who he is in that passage. I spend some time confessing my sin for the sin pattern, the sin struggle I've encountered in that passage. I thank God for being forgiving and patient of me. And I spend some time praying for my loved ones and my friends, for God to protect them, but ultimately for God to save them. Do you have a a place of rest? You do. It's in Jesus. Are you enjoying time alone with him? Martin Luther was really the the one that God used to start the Protestant Reformation. And this is what Martin Luther basically said on his deathbed. Let the man who would hear God speak read 
Holy Scripture. That's how Martin Luther died. Enjoying time alone with God as a daily pit stop, a daily rest stop until he encountered eternal rest with his Savior. Every day are you enjoying time alone with God? The second rest stop that God gives us, you'll see in your your bulletin outline, is this. And for some of you, as soon as I say this, you're going to get heartburn. Maybe even some acid reflux. And you're going to think, Tanner, you got it wrong. So let me me say it and annoy you and then we'll clean it up. The, The second pit stop that God gives us along the way is not only enjoying time alone with God, but enjoy time together with God's people. Enjoy time together with God's people. Now, I already see the looks. Tanner, you don't realize. Yeah, I do realize. You've been well discipled and well trained over the years here. You've had some phenomenal theologically sound expositors of God's word. And so you know, the reason that gave you a little bit of heart, heartburn, a little bit of acid reflux, is you said, Tanner, when we come to this sanctuary, we need to go vertical. We need to go vertical and think about the holiness of God and think about the sovereignty of God. Think about the grace of God. Think about the justice of God. Think about God's attributes and God's character. And I say, amen, 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 amen. I agree. And I would, I would agree with you that too much of worship services is a bunch of navel-gazing ga- na- navel narcissists just focused on themselves and upon the horizontal problems of life and not looking to Jesus as the solution. But as Bible-believing Christians, we've got to be as balanced as the Bible is balanced. And so I'm not setting aside the fact that when we come in this beautiful house of worship, we need to go vertical primarily in our worship. But with that being said, it does have a horizontal consequence. That as God's people, we should enjoy time together with one another. And it should spiritually refresh us. And so in your bulletin outline, you have four passages of Scripture there that you may or may not be able to turn there as quickly with me as I'm going to read them. But I'm going to go down them. All these are from the Apostle Paul. And so I want you to hear what he has to say about how time with God's people refreshed him. Now remember, the book of Romans, Romans chapter 15, verse 32. The book of Romans, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church at Rome because he longed to come there. He longed to go there and be able to preach the gospel to them. But up until this point of him writing the book of Romans, the Holy Spirit had prevented Paul from going there. So Paul says this. He longs to go there, he says this, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Why did the Apostle Paul long to go to the church at Rome? He longed to preach the gospel to them, but he longed to be refreshed by them in their midst. What's the point? The Apostle Paul knew that His ultimate rest was going to be with Jesus in heaven. But along the way, God had provided this second beautiful, delicious pit stop, this rest stop that is enjoying time with God's people. Then notice what he says to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 17, 18. And they were full of a bunch of problems. 
They make us look like, I mean, like AP honor students with Jesus, if you read 1 Corinthians. Paul says, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Did you hear the same language? What's he saying? Well, I know that ultimately my eternal rest is going to be found in Jesus in heaven, but along the way, God's given me this delicious pit stop of enjoying time together with God's people. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Therefore we are comforted, and besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been freshed by you all. The Apostle Paul is saying that Titus and his ministry has been refreshed by spending time together with the church at Corinth, and they were messed up people. Really. If you read it, it'll make you blush. And then 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. A passage that the Apostle Paul wrote either right before he was martyred for his faith, or at least convinced he's about to be martyred for his faith, says this. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. What's the point? The Apostle Paul says, in prison, while I'm convinced I'm getting ready to be beheaded for Jesus, this brother in Christ came and refreshed me. Are you refreshed by spending time with God's people? Is this hour a pit stop along the way for you? Here's my fear for the Barto ARP Church. And I say this not to browbeat you. I say this because I love you as your pastor. My concern is that somewhere along the way we became convinced that busyness equals godliness. Soon after I came here, I started doing an average of what, remember this is average, so some people do more, some people do less. What the average churchgoer does here in a week is eight hours a week. Some do more, some do less, but average eight hours. That's a, that's a work day. Then I added up the average hours of someone who's serving in the, life of the, in the life of this church. Whether they be a Sunday school teacher, an elder, a deacon, on a committee or committees. Most people are on one or two committees. Here's what I averaged up. The average servant in the life of this church gives 19 hours a week to this church. That's a lot. So the question I have to step back and ask as the pastor, the shepherd of the congregation is this. Are we refreshing one another? 
Or are we burning one another out? I'm concerned that somewhere along the way, we became convinced that busyness equals godliness. I want you to be refreshed when you get here. If you're not refreshed when you get here, I want you to be refreshed spiritually when you leave here. True story. I'll never forget this story of a man who had lost his wife just a little bit over a month before Easter. And I was curious about whether or not he would even come to Easter worship that day. He came and he sat in the back, and I noticed that he sat there. And when we had a corporate confession of sin, he, he didn't move his lips. When we sang the hymns, he, he didn't sing. He just stood there. He looked cold like a statue. Later, when I built up the courage, I asked him what that worship service was like for him. And you know what he said? Oh, Tanner, it was so good. It refreshed my spirit. Confused, I said, well, how? So not to be ugly, I noticed that that day you, you, it, it appeared as if you weren't even participating. You know what he said to me? It was worth coming to that service that day to hear my brothers and sisters in Christ sing the hymn, Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. He said as I came into that House of worship, grieving the loss of my, the love of my life. My soul was refreshed as my brothers and sisters in Christ sang hymns and spiritual songs into my heart and reminded me that I was grieving, but I was going to grieve with hope. Because the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, he's conquered Satan, sin, and death, and one day, someday, I will see my wife again, because I will see her in the presence of a victorious Savior and King named Jesus. What happened to my friend that day? That house of worship was a pit stop of rest for him along the way that refreshed him. While he grieved. Friends, are you looking for a place of rest today? Good. Look no further. Look to Jesus. Here's the secret. Rest isn't found in time. Rest is not found in a place. Rather, rest is found in a person Named Jesus. He's made a promise to you and he's made a promise to me. And we affirmed it in our faith together this day when it says, Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you 
rest. Find your place of rest in Jesus this day and every day. By enjoying time alone with him and by enjoying weekly time together with God's people. Jesus is your rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I confess to you that my tendency is to fill my life and my calendar and my planner with busyness. And my prayer is that you would teach me how to be faithful and trust you for the fruit. And teach me and teach us, Father, that ultimate rest is not found in a place or a possession or a privilege. But true ultimate rest is found in a relationship with you. And so, Father, today I pray for those that don't have a relationship with you. Draw them to you today that they might find rest in you. And for the rest of us that are looking for rest in someone or something else, help us to hear your voice calling us back to you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.